0: struggle really is real in life. I mean, all you got to do is look at a newspaper, turn on the TV, whatever. Uh, All you got to do is get out of bed in the morning and you know the struggle, it is real. I mean, we all go through kind of those times uh, of struggles, you know, whether it's uh, worries or whether it's fatigue or whether it's indecision or whether it's fear or, or loss or grief, whatever it is, we all go through it. You know, it could be the stress that comes from bad choices. It could be an aging parent that you just can't fix. Or it could be your finances are unraveling, or the doctor gives you the C word, or someone close to you dies. You see, we all have struggles, and they're real. And if those things aren't bad enough, again, all you got to do is turn the news on, and there's something bad happening every day, whether it's a shooting, or terrorism, or whatever, there's something bad happening. And we all face those things. No one's exempt. Somebody posted um, a video, a short video not long ago, it was, it was kind of, it was funny, but it wasn't, you know, it was kind of one of those things, you, you kind of laugh, but still you're going, whoa, poor guy, you know, he was, a, he was in a big factory, in a warehouse, and literally there was just, this whole side was just these um, uh, stacks and stacks of, of uh of just stuff it's kind of like if you walked into the warehouse at like ikea or something you know they're from floor to ceiling just as far as you can see and there's a guy on a forklift with a pallet on the on the forklift and he's taking it down this aisle and for whatever reason he just makes a slight turn when he shouldn't and all of a sudden it was a domino effect every one of those from that side that he was on just started falling down And falling to the ground as far as you could see. And you're going, man, as you're laughing, poor guy. (laughs) You know, I mean, that day, his struggle was real. That's why we're going to begin a six-week journey that will hopefully help us to change how we respond when the struggles of life come upon us. And this is a journey that will allow us to dive deeply into the pools of Psalm 23. You know, Psalm 23 is undoubtedly one of the best-known passages in all the Bible. In fact, if we were to take a poll here, most of you, if not all of you, would have probably have said, I learned this as a kid. I mean, when I was growing up, I learned this, either in Sunday school, my mom and dad taught me, whatever. We all have know Psalm 23, and we learned it at a very young, young age. Now, one of the beautiful things that this psalm is going to do for us is it's going to help us to get a clearer picture of who our God is. Most of you probably have heard the story of a Sunday school class where the teacher just asked all the kids, she said, I want you just to draw something out of the Bible. Just draw something that means a lot to you out of the Bible. So the kids began to draw. She began to walk around. She'd look over their shoulders and see and kind of talk to them about it. She came to this one little girl, and she looked over her shoulders. She said, Honey, what are you drawing? And The little girl looked up and said, "Well, Well, teacher, I'm drawing a picture of God. And their teacher said, well, well, nobody knows what God looks like. And she says, I know, but they will when I'm done. You know, <laughs> my, this is my hope. My hope is this, that when we are done going through this powerful and beautiful psalm over these next six weeks, that the amazing portrait of God that will be revealed that it's going to help us to see and feel and to understand that we have a God who is with us. And when we apply that truth to our lives, it literally will change the way we deal with the struggles of life. That's my prayer and that's my hope. And so as we begin today, let's just pray. Father, I thank you for these next few moments. And I thank you for what you have for us. Most importantly, God. We just pray for your spirit to speak to our hearts. Open our minds, open our hearts. Allow us to be vessels that are ready to receive. And then, Father, change us as we leave. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, this psalm is written by David. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that as a young man, David was also a shepherd. And so he knew a little bit about sheep. He knew something about what it takes to care or sheep. When he became king, he was called the shepherd king, because he watched over and cared for the nation of Israel. But in spite of his position as king, he still saw the Lord as his shepherd. And so he speaks in this psalm as as one of the sheep. He speaks as Though he is one of of those sheep, and in his old age, he sits down and he writes, and he begins to reflect back, and he's looking back on his life, the victories and the defeats. He's looking back on the faithfulness that he had with his God, and he's looking at the times of unfaithfulness. He's looking at the sickness and the loss. He's looking at at, uh, those times when he was literally hunted by his family. I mean, this guy is a guy who had seen life, and he knew that the struggles were real. And in spite of it all, he sits down in his old age, and he writes these amazing words. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I have everything I need. And so as we begin, I just want us all to stand together, because I want us to read this beautiful psalm together as his body. I've chosen to read it from the New Century Version because I love the way it's phrased. So are you ready, church? Here we go. Let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green pastures. He leads me to calm water. He gives me new strength. He leads me on paths that are right for the good of his name. Even if I walk through a very dark valley... I will not be afraid, because you are with me. Your rod and your shepherd's staff comfort me. You prepare a meal for me in front of my enemies. You pour oil of blessing on my head. You fill my cup to overflowing. Surely your goodness and love will be with me all of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may grab a seat. So as we begin, I just want to focus this morning on the first five words of this incredible psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. And as we do, I'm going to accent certain words along the way that just might bring this to life in a new way. And the first is this. I want us to begin by accenting the word shepherd. So I want you to say that with me and accent the word shepherd. Let it really come out. The Lord is my shepherd. Are you ready? Say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Of all the images of God in the Bible, this may be one of the most powerful and one of the most beautiful. Unfortunately, though, we live in a society where tending sheep is not your ordinary occupation. In fact, I would, I would say that none of you, or maybe the majority of you, know nothing about keeping, what it means to keep sheep, or you don't know a shepherd, much less are familiar with a shepherd's life and what it takes to really raise sheep. Now, speaking for myself, I've never been around sheep, except maybe at the county fair, you know, or a petting zoo. So because of that, I think we have a tendency to lose a little bit of the meaning that David intended when he wrote these amazing words because we just don't know. We haven't been there. We're not familiar with sheep. We don't know what it means to be a shepherd. The story is told of a, uh, of a farmer who, who raised sheep and out on the back 10 acres of his property, this field was just covered with sheep and he was out tending his field one day when alongside the field was this kind of abandoned dirt road and he saw this cloud of of dust coming down the road and before long this uh, Lexus SUV pulls up and just stops right at the gate coming into the field and this young guy gets out probably in his early to mid 30s. He's got this very expensive suit on. He comes over to the farm and he says, hey buddy, he said, "Um, I've always been interested in sheep. So I don't know a lot about them. I've just been interested in i got a proposal for you. If I can tell you how many sheep you have. Scattered over this whatever number of acres you have here. He says, will you give me one? The farmer thought for a moment. He said, tell you what. If you can guess the number, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. So with that, he, he raises up the back of his SUV. He pulls out this incredible laptop. He hooks up to this GPS satellite. He puts in all these calculations. He grabs this little small printer, prints out this kind of long paperwork, and then he comes over to the farmer and he says, okay, I'm ready. You've got 1,558 sheep scattered on these fields. The farmer looked at him and said, you know what? You're right. That's exactly what I have. So I guess you can have one. So with that, the, the guy runs out, grabs an animal, brings it back, puts it in the back of his SUV, closes the SUV. But before he can get into to the car, farmer comes over and says, tell you what, will you give me a chance to get my animal back? The guy says, well, yeah, I, I think I can do that. He says, if I tell you what you do for a living, can I have my animal back? The guy says, okay, if you can tell me what I do, I'll give it back. He says, you're an IT consultant, aren't you? And the guy goes, well, how in the world did you know that? And he said, well, for a number of reasons. One is, you showed up without an appointment. He said, two, you, you told me what I already knew. And three, you know nothing about sheep. Now give me my dog back. <laughs> you see, we're just not familiar, are we, with sheep and, and being shepherds and what it takes. Okay, now here's the thing. When David talks about shepherds and sheep, Everybody understood it because it was a common part of their everyday culture. So, let me give you just one thing right now that is a distinctive characteristic of a shepherd. A shepherd takes full responsibility for the life of their sheep. Why? Because sheep can't survive without him. A shepherd takes full responsibility, total responsibility, for the life and the care and the protection. Of their sheep because if they don't, that that animal will not survive. You see, sheep aren't the brightest animals on the planet and it's a big commitment to take care of a bunch of sheep. They have a tendency to get lost and when they do, they usually die. They can't find water to drink like a deer. They can't kill game like a lion. They can't defend themselves against predators. They can't run fast. They don't have claws or sharp teeth. They can't dig a hole or climb a tree. They can't emit a bad smell to make you go away. They can't swim across the river. They have a lousy sense of direction. They get disoriented. They're easily frightened. And they have this mob characteristic about them. So if one dumb sheep walks off of a cliff, the rest go, hey man, Harry just went off that cliff. Let's all go. That's kind of their mentality. So can you begin to see why a sheep and shepherd relationship pretty well describes our relationship with God. I mean, can you see it? Can you see why that really is who we are? I mean, after all, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 53, all of us, all of us are like sheep. Why? Because we've gone astray. In fact, we've We've gone our own way. That's why every one of us needs a shepherd. We need someone who will lead us and guide us and protect us and correct us and provide for us. Why? Because the struggle is real. And the problem is we're too easily distracted. And we, we get too wrapped up in, our own, in, our, in ourselves. That's why this short verse is so important to understand. Because we won't make it in life without our shepherd. And I think Jesus also knew this about us. That's why in Matthew 9, we we find Jesus traveling from town to town. And as he does, he's, he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And this is what we read in verse 36. Look at what it says. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, when the struggles of life get real, God doesn't say fend for yourself. Instead, we have a God who's compassionate because he knows we won't make it in life without the shepherd. Now, there's something you may not know, but it's really cool. The word shepherd in the Hebrew text, comes from the Hebrew word, which means friend. I mean, how cool is it that the word shepherd crawls right out of the word for friend? You see, our shepherd is a real friend who is watching over us 24-7. And so if that's the case, then who is this amazing shepherd friend that we have? Well, the answer is found in the second word of this verse. And so let's accent that word. It's the word Lord. So say that with me if you would. And let's accent the word Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Say it again. The Lord is my shepherd. Now the word Lord is a translation of the name Yahweh. That's the personal name of God. David basically is saying, you know what, man? Of all the shepherds that we can pick in life, my shepherd is Yahweh. My shepherd is the Lord God. Now, the word Lord means boss. It means supervisor. It means master. It means leader over somebody. So again, David is saying, God is my boss. He's the one that's my master. He's my leader. Now, here's what's hard to understand. God's not the shepherd of everybody. I want you to let that sink in a moment. God's not the shepherd of everybody. He wants to be, but he's only the shepherd of those who have asked him to be their shepherd. And to say it another way, it's this. The Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. Get that? The Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. And maybe that's the one key thing that you need to grab a hold of today. Why? Because a lot of people who claim to be Christians live like they're saying, you know what, yeah, you're right, I want God to be my shepherd. Because I want him to care for me. And I want him to protect me and love me and bless me. I want him to come through for me. I want him to answer my prayers. I want him to completely surround me with his goodness and his mercy. And I want him to pursue me with his grace and mercy and love for the rest of my life. I want him to dwell with me, with him. I want to dwell with him when I get to the end of my life. But guess what? I just don't want him to be my Lord. I don't want him to be my boss. I don't want him to be my master. Because I still want to be in control. I still want to do what I want. I want all these other things that he gives, but I just don't want him to be my Lord. Now, let me be real honest with you. It does not work that way. God is a gracious God. But if you want him to be your shepherd, then first of all, he has to be your Lord. Here's the thing. This Lord issue, it really is all about control, isn't it? I mean, that's the bottom line. It's all about control. When you say the Lord is my shepherd, you're saying, Lord, you're the boss and I'm not. You're saying, God, you're in control, not me. I just am here to follow you and to trust you and to be obedient to you. Now, here's what I've discovered through the years, and that is this. One of the ways that this control issue is manifested in our lives is through this thing that we call worry. Let me ask you. How many of you ever worry? Does anybody ever worry? Okay, the rest of you are liars, but there, <laughs> at least we got, some, we got some people who are honest here. Because everybody worries. I mean, we all worry at some point in time in our life. We all do that. And here's the thing we've got to understand Worry is really a control issue. It's a control issue. It's a decision to focus on something that we don't have any business focusing on. Maybe that's why these first five words are followed by these words. I have everything I need. I have everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And maybe that's why Jesus can flat out command us to stop worrying. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 and then also starting in verse 31, look at what it says. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And then look at verse starting in verse 31. So, don't worry about these things saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts, get this, of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all you need, all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and guess what? He will give you everything you need. So, here's the thing whenever you see the flashing light, a worry going off on the dashboard of your life. It's time to stop because you've taken back control. Here's what we need to remember. Never forget that the God who cast the stars in space, the God who created the massive cosmos, who has con- control over the largest galaxy to the most minute microbe in a piece of dirt. He is still in control. And he wants to take your struggles. And he wants to take your worries. And he wants to carry them for you. How awesome is that? See, one of my favorite passages is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. This is what it says. It says, cast, throw off, Put on. Put on Jesus. In other words, cast from yourself to him. Cast all your anxiety on him because why? He cares for you. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, he says, don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. In other words, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about because God's shoulders are big enough to carry them. You got it? If it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough for God to listen at what you're going through because he's big enough to carry everything that you are carrying or trying to carry. And then in verse 7, in that passage, he says that we'll experience God's incredible peace, which exceeds everything we can understand. But this is what we've got to keep in mind. That won't happen until we give up the control to our Shepherd. Again, the Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. When author Philip Keller grew up, he lived in East Africa where he was surrounded by sheepherders similar to those in the Middle East. As a young man, he spent eight years of his life uh, raising sheep and being a sheep rancher. He tells of the time in the beginning when he got 30 ewe lambs He said after bringing him home, a friend who was with him handed him a sharp knife and said, Philip, they're yours now. You need to put your mark on them. You see, in that time and in that place, each shepherd would have a distinctive mark. It was a notch that would be put or cut into the ear of each sheep to mark it as his. And each sheep would be brought into one, in, in one at a time and their ear would be laid down on a block and a deep notch would be cut into their ear making them or marking them as belonging to the shepherd for the rest of their life. Now, here's what's interesting. In the Old Testament, under the Mosaic law, an indentured servant could voluntarily become what was referred to as a bond servant. This is what we read in Exodus chapter 21, starting in verse 2. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he will serve six years. The seventh year, he goes free for nothing. If he came in in single, he leaves single. If he came in married, he leaves with his wife. If the master gives him a wife, and she gave him sons and daughters, the wife and children stay with the master, and he leaves by himself. But suppose the slave should say, I love my master and my wife and children. I don't want my freedom. Then his master is to bring him before God and to a door or a doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl, a sign that he is a slave for life. So out of supreme love for his master and his family, he willingly surrenders his freedom to become a servant for life. As we come into the New Testament, the word bondservant or servant is applied to someone who has absolutely, totally surrendered and sold out to Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul and Timothy and James and Peter and Jude all described themselves as bondservants of Jesus, In other words, they had given themselves to him not for a week, not for a month, not for a year, but for life. They were bondservants for life. So, for us today, what does it mean to be a bondservant of Jesus? Well, this is what I believe. I believe it means a complete and total surrender to God, his word, and his will. It's a disregard for our wants and our desires because we understand that our will was laid at the foot of the cross when we made Jesus Lord of our life. It means to love as Jesus loved and to walk as Jesus walked. It means to stand strong when we are weak and we have nothing left to give. It's not letting up, giving up, or putting up with anything less than a total commitment to Jesus as Lord of our life. That's what it means to be a bondservant. Oswald Chambers wrote, the passion of Christianity comes from deliberately signing away my own rights and becoming a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Until I do that, I will not be the kind of sheep who absolutely follows the shepherd. This is what it means to say, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, it comes down to this who's in control? Of your life. And who are you following? But lastly. And very quickly. Let's accent the word my. The word my. So let's say that together. The Lord is my shepherd. One more time. The Lord is my shepherd. Someone said that the word my. In Psalm 23. Is the most precious word in the psalm. Because it doesn't say that God is. It's the just the shepherd of the whole world or the shepherd of Israel or the shepherd of the church. Then, even so, though those things are true, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's mine. He's my shepherd. In fact, in just six short verses, it's mentioned in some form roughly 17 times depending on your translation. And the cool thing is this. This psalm shows us the love and the depth of concern that a great big God has for you and me. Because you see, when the struggle gets real, and it does every day almost of our lives, when the struggles get real, I don't really care if he's the shepherd of the world, or the shepherd of Israel, or the shepherd of the church. I want to know that he's my shepherd. You see, when you don't make the team, or you get kicked to the curb by a spouse, or you're just distressed or discouraged or worried because the baggage on your shoulders is just too heavy to bear at that moment you don't need to know that he's someone else's shepherd you want to know that he is your shepherd don't you i mean isn't that right you want to know that he cares about you and your struggles and your worries and your concerns but here's the sad reality Most, if not all of the time, we let the struggles and the worries and the circumstances and the temptations of life, man, we let those things drown out the shepherd's voice. But look what Jesus said in John chapter 10, starting verse 2. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice. And come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and get, get this, he, and they follow him. Why? Look, because they know his voice. They know his voice. Now, you got to understand, this knowing here is not just a head knowledge. It's a heart knowledge. It's a very deep and intimate knowing. You know and you follow because you know the voice of your shepherd. And you don't let everything else drown it out. Here's the thing. If we would just listen, I think this is what our shepherd is wanting to say to us. I think he's wanting to say, Hey man, I'm always with you. In fact, I laid down my life for you. And I need you to trust me. And I need you to do what I say. You see, I'm your friend, your shepherd friend. I give you everything you need, you shall not want. So you can stop worrying. I know you get tired, and I know you get stressed, and I know you get worried. I know you get discouraged with life, but I'm here to help You find places of rest and and green pastures and quiet waters. I know how to refresh your soul and restore you once again. I can give you peace, and I want to do that for you because you're my sheep. And even though you go through difficult times and dark valleys, the struggles that are very real in life, you never have to be afraid because I am with you. I have a big stick, and I'll protect you. I'll sit you down. I want to bless you in your life so your cup of blessing will overflow. Whatever happens, wherever you go, whatever trouble you get into, I will pursue you all the days of your life. And my goodness and my mercy and my love will follow you until we dwell together in my house. That's what the shepherd, your shepherd, is wanting to say to your heart today. And if we, his sheep, would just open our ears and hear them, that message, it would make a huge difference in how we deal with the struggles of life, wouldn't it? Psalm 100 verse 3 says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Let's reflect. True story. I don't remember what city it was in. I think maybe Atlanta, but I'm not Sure. But years ago, in that city, they would have, there was a a building downtown that was just there to, they would house these events, and the events would be, they would just do readings, like from books or poetry or whatever, and every once in a while they would have famous people that would come in and they would read. But usually there was a, a pretty good crowd that would gather on those nights where they would have that. This one particular night, an old preacher went, and he was sitting in the back, and Not long after they started, there was a famous actor who walked in and sat down. And when the MC saw him after a reading had been completed, he said, Hey, would you read for us today? So this famous actor got up and he read. And when he was done, everybody clapped. But before he could sit down, the old preacher in the back stood up and said, Would you read or quote for us Psalm 23? The actor said, you know what, I can do that because I learned that as a kid, and so yes, I will do that. And so he got back up and he began to quote Psalm 23. And when he was done, people clapped. But before he sat down, he said, now I've said it for you, preacher, but would you come and say it for us? So the old preacher got up and said, yes, I would, and he made his way to the front and he got there, and he stopped, and he just began to, to say Psalm 23. And when he was done, there was no clapping. There was just silence. And as you looked around, tears were just literally streaming down the cheeks of most of the people that were there. When the event was over, somebody came up to the MC, and they said, What just happened? And he said, Well, what do you mean? He said, Well, what just happened? The, the actor read, quoted Psalm 23, and people clapped, but when the preacher quoted Psalm 23, there was silence and tears. What happened? And he said this the actor, he said, he knew the words to Psalm 23, but the preacher knew the shepherd. Do you know the shepherd? That's the question you have to ask today and answer. Do you know the shepherd? Is he real to you? And most importantly, is he the Lord God? And is he enough in your life? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. In his book, I Shall Not Want, Robert Ketchum tells this story there was a family visiting a church and their five-year-old didn't want to go into her kindergarten class she wanted to stay in the class with her first grade sister and so they let her stay in there and as the class began the teacher said is there anybody who knows the words to psalm 23 and this five-year-old visitor just raised her hand began to shake it the teacher just kind of kept scanning the crowd, but she just kept waving and said, Teacher, I know the Psalm. So the teacher let her come up and she came to the front. She just bowed and then she said these words The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. Is that your heart today? Do you know the shepherd? Do you know the Lord? Because the Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. And is he all you want? I mean, if everything in life was stripped away and all you had left was him, would he be enough for you in your life? Can you say those words, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need? Here's my challenge. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ is your Lord. You need to do that before you leave here. You just need to come and say, I just want to give my life to the one who loves me and died for me. I want him to be my shepherd. Maybe you just need to come because you just have kind of strayed away from God and you just need to get back. You you've, you've wanted him to be shepherd, but you haven't wanted him necessarily to be Lord. And you understand now you can't, have bo- you can't separate the both. The two go hand in hand. So maybe that's you. Whatever's on your heart, I just want to encourage you to come. Rob's going to play, and as we reflect, if there's anything that you need to get kind of right with God, this is your time. I just want you to come. We'll pray with you and encourage you. Let's reflect.